Cause I'm thinking about a new name for our get back. Hey, welcome, bienvenidos. I mean, is a name change possible at any point? Like sure. you just you just change your name, whatever. Course, like yeah. you know what? Like yeah. people do it all the time. Yeah, yeah. I don't know because I feel kind of like. Like, oh, we're doing a little bit of rebranding. Let's just kick the shit. They're not just about history. Right. And I understand how, like, everything could be put into, like, a box. Historical. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. Into, yeah. like, a history box. Like, yeah. it's like, okay, present this kind of, yeah. like, historic aspect of it and then yeah. work from there. <clears throat> but I feel like we might have better lanes going just more conversational with the pieces, more Agreed. just topics, f- like, and, and then opinion. It's like an op-ed. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 four guys doing an op-ed. It's kind of the, the don't stop believing of New Jersey type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> eh, bienvenidos Journey. al podcast de Rogue History. And this is the Rogue History Podcast. Uh, so we're just going to go around the room so we get some name recognition in case you forgot what we all sound like. I'm Eggy. Alex. Brian. Been a while. Brian. And next to Brian, we have... Diet Coke. Because Yaz is in here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yaz is out in Montreal living his best life. Yep. I sw- yeah, I swear to God, this whole summer, I don't think Yaz has worked one full week of work all summer. Like, yeah, I think, like Canadians I'm pretty- are so lazy, man. That's what they <laughs> say. Yeah, the Canadians are out here. Um, so we got we got some interesting stuff to talk to you about today. And we're gonna start off first with this very interesting pop con. Oh Jesus! It's a conspiracy. Yo, how many people in Russia are named Yuri? Because in this story... I feel like I've heard that name a lot. Three of these people's names are Yuri, and it's like, come on, guys. What is it like? Is Yuri like John or something? <laughs> yeah. Could be. Yo, but if you hung out with... Nine, like Yuri nine is people, like the Muhammad of <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. It's like the Muhammad. And in case I didn't say it already, this is the Dyatlov Pass mystery. Okay, so... It's 1959, and nine Russian college students go on a hiking trip to an isolated mountain range in western Russia with high winds and sub-zero temperatures. You might ask, Alex, why would college students do this for fun? I don't know. I'm not Russian. So on February 1st, 1950... <laughs> yeah, that was a concise answer. Yeah, just, you know what? Know, in, in Florida, we go to the beach. Apparently, they wanted to go to sub-zero temperatures on a, <laughs> on a remote mountainside. So it's February 1st. Uh, their party heads up the mountain, and on their second night, they make camp. Then something mysterious kills them all. Their campsite was left abandoned. The tent had been cut open from the inside out. Their bodies were found in random places a couple miles from the camp, like the woods nearby, some by a stream. Uh, They didn't have much clothes on, like a few of them were in their socks and underwear. And again, this is sub-zero temperatures, which is very weird why they would leave without like boots on and stuff. Uh, So it was like it was like as if they left in a hurry um, because they're running away from something. Uh, Their bodies had severe trauma, like crushed ribs, cracked skulls, and a couple of them even had burnt hands but they didn't have any like cuts on their skin. 
So like, for example, if I, I would never do this, but if I took a bat and went to Brian and started beating him with it, you'd see all these like bruising and You've cut. Tried to do I've that tried before. to do this, but <laughs> you know, we, we've, we've come to terms with our problems since yeah. then. Uh, you'd see like cuts on the outside of their skin and like bruising and stuff. These people didn't have any of that. So it was like kind of as if they were like straight up thrown around. Were these guys like, well, I guess if they fell off a cliff, they'd be cut and stuff, right? Well, right. And you'd see specific, their wounds didn't really add up to like one forceful event. They added mm-hmm. up to like more like getting beaten up in a way a that a human. Of, like, concussive impacts. Yeah. But in a way, a human isn't powerful enough to be able to do this to you. So it's not like, oh, they just got beat up by somebody or something. So one of the bodies found on one of the women, she had her tongue and eyes missing. And again, there was no outside trauma. So it wasn't like, oh, well, maybe, you know, she died and then like animals came by and like ate this. It's like, nah, they were like clean gone, right? Two of the bodies had a significant amount of radiation on their clothes and skin. And some of the reports say that a few of the bodies had orange skin and gray hair. Let that creepiness sink in. And the official Soviet report listed their cause of death as overcome by an overwhelming natural force. That's what the report says. Period. Period. They closed the mountain range for three years and the case was classified until the 1990s, which is not that weird because Russian Soviets used to just kind of classify all all sorts of stuff. But closing the area for three years is very suspicious. Makes sense. Um, So some other info about the investigation and what they found. Uh, There weren't any extra footprints. So, you know, it was nine people in the party and there was about nine people's worth of tracks. Uh, also, like I, I think I said, this this is really creepy. The tongue and eyes from one of the women was missing without any scars. And they could say that for sure it was that they were taken while she was alive. They knew that she was still, her blood was still pumping when they were removed. Um, other campers in the area throughout that month made claims of seeing glowing orbs in the sky. Uh, when they came to the camp, and again, like, you know, they thought it was weird right away because the tent was cut open from the inside, which is not something experienced campers would do. And like their stuff was kind of thrown around. But there was a camera set up on a tripod. Huh. Curious. So they got the photos developed. You see pictures of like, you know, them getting ready for the trip and they all look happy. These are like, you know, young, energetic students. And then you find and then at the end of the role, there's something called the infamous 33rd frame of the Diet Laugh Past Mystery, which is like a dark I background. Need to Google this shit. Yeah, yeah, Google it. Cause it's, yeah, I definitely gotta pull this up. It's creepy. It's a dark background with like a put your phone in airplane mode, boy. Sorry. Thirty <laughs> third frame? The uh, yeah, the thirty third frame. Diet Laugh thirty third frame. frame. So you see it could be nothing, right? But it's weird because you see this like glowing type of light. Um granted Cameras back then weren't like fantastic. Which one is this? This one here? Yeah, both of those. Okay. So it's it's kind of odd. There weren't any unnatural lights in the mountains, and that's the last picture on the roll. Mm -hmm. So it's not like oh, they look kind of like lights that are artificial, right? Like the way that they look, Mm. uh, they they don't appear to be like from a fire or something. It almost looks like there are multiple light sources too. Yeah, yeah. And this is them here? That's them, yeah. You see, because because one of them was a photographer, like you you can see a bunch of the pictures of everything leading up to it. All right, so what what do you think happened here? Well, there are a few few, like pessimist theories about what happens. I want to hear some of the theories about what happened here. So number one, people say like, well, yo, I mean, they're up in the mountains, like, they died from an avalanche. You know, okay. like the snow came down, tossed their were bodies they, were around. Were they buried? 
yeah, from Snowfall, like to a certain extent, they found it took them a while to found to find all the bodies. Uh. They found a couple of them like right away. Um, but <laughs> if it was an avalanche, why was the camp completely unharmed? Because if they ran away because an avalanche was coming, wouldn't the camp be like the camp would be the first place? The av- right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's where they started from. But instead, it's just cut up from the, cut out, from cut the up from the inside. Stuff scattered everywhere. Oh well, and yeah. A, and, and, if, a, and a camera left completely. Uh, that avalanche would have fucked up that camera. Yeah. yeah, and and if they could see that, that means the tent was still up. Yes. So like yeah. the tent it's was tent. up. It's not like a fucking brick house or something. Yeah, so. exactly. Like an avalanche would definitely take that tent out. So I guess that that that's kind of like a lazy explanation. Uh, there were originally eight students, and in the town before they went up the pass, they ran into one extra person who uh, they didn't know, but was like looking for a party to go up with, because some other people that he was going to go up with had like bailed. And apparently, this is like a kind of normal thing, like people kind of add people to their crew, mm-hmm. which is funny because it's kind of like, that's kind of like a Dungeons and Dragons move. Like on your way, <laughs> you pick up another <laughs> member of your party who's waiting for you. He has talents and suturing and blah blah blah. Uh, so some people think like, oh, like maybe he was a KGB operative and, and he did this to them, right? How does that explain the radiation? And, and again, these are signs of wounds that no human could inflict on you. Like it's like a force would have to do this to you. Uh, some like- people think like, you know, they went crazy up there and like, you know, when they did the test on the bodies, they found that some of them had alcohol in their system. So there's like some things like, oh, well, they're maybe, Russian though. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cold and alcohol. <laughs> and again, this is like their big college trip. Like, oh. yeah. yeah, like they're so definitely not doing this sober. It'd, yeah. be, it'd be more suspicious if they weren't <laughs> yeah, drunk. Like, yeah. All nine Russians were t- completely sober. Yeah, maybe, they, maybe they were on K2, bro. <laughs> yeah. So, what do you think happened to these people? I think Aliens? I know the answer. <clears throat> I, yo, so the KGB was, operative was a telekinetic. Yo, a telekinetic Ultra? would actually yeah. explain this. <laughs> I, mean, no, I didn't even right? think about that. The right? telekinetic thing, yeah. He just like went on a rampage. He's like, all right, I'm going to test out my powers. Launch these guys fucking like one and a half kilometers. What do you do next? I mean, he ran away and found another person or something. I don't know. What if the force of the telekinesis also killed him? Force. All what right. So again? I guess 59? He, here's the question. 1959. Here's the question. Where are these mountains relative to so anything it's, else? It's, it's Western Russia. They're very remote. It's it's out there. But Because I'm trying to figure out, is there any inherent interest in having people not want to go up there? Mm-hmm. Like, are Maybe there testing. any, like, military bases nearby? Any no. testing that was going not, on nearby? Not, not officially. Not officially? Not officially. The, it, uh, officially, there's nothing there. It's it's a place that people go to. It's the wilderness. It's, like, where people go to do excursions. And, like, if you're an elite woodsman. Do people still go there? Uh, n- I'm sure they do now. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. What's it called? Dyatlov. The Dyatlov Pass. Wait, so, because I, I, I was just looking up this other thing that they mentioned, which was uh, infrasound. Infrasound? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like this one. So, that, so that's that. A, that was a good theory. So some people thought, I thank you for reminding me about that. So some people thought like, okay, well, some mountain ranges have been known to make like strange acoustic inaudible sounds mm-hmm. that can make people like lose their shit and just go crazy. So like 
not one person going crazy, but like, what if all of them just like had this disturbance that caused them to go crazy? Uh, that still doesn't explain like the radiation and the tongue and the, but, but, but who knows? I mean, I don't know, but it, it, it is definitely one for like the book. It sounds like a bath salts thing too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like I'm thinking like, so that, that, that infrasound crazy. shit is like, it's like a low frequency sound that causes people to lose their, their, their minds essentially. Yeah. What, um, where was the radiation discovered? Like on who their, made that two, discovery? On, on two of their clothing, it was discovered. Uh, one of the people who were investigating, I guess, had the random. I don't even know how this occurred to him, but he was, was like, "Let's just test this for uh, any strange substances," and they realized there was like radiation. They were irradiated, yeah, but only two of them, not all. And of them. it was on the clothes, yeah. So is it possible that the cl- they brought the clothes with radiation on it? It's definitely possible. So I feel like so we don't have to find necessarily a solution for the radiation uh, because that could have definitely they could have brought that with them. Like it wasn't like on their bodies. You know, this is like a time when I guess people didn't really understand how dangerous radiation was. Right. Exactly. And um, so damn. So I I think I think I'm gonna go. My answer is going to be I'm go with the infrasound. I'm go with that one just because I know how powerful sound can be. Like, I remember hearing about this app that you could use and like students were using it in class, like high school students and shit like that, where it changed your notifications to a frequency that couldn't be heard by people of a certain age. Yeah. Uh, so it was basically we, we like used to do that in high school with a ringtone. Yeah. Is that basically it? So yeah. it's like you could you could send notifications to each other and like the yeah. teacher can't hear it. Because it's just not his ears are not sensitive enough for it. So I think that there's definitely something to be said about the power of sound. In a scenario where we have this infrasound happening, it's uh, the the Karman vortex, right? Is is what they call it when that the infrasound is created by the wind and the mountain. Sounds about right. So what it does is that it 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 bege- it starts to onset panic, which would make sense why they cut through their tents yeah like they might not have even know they just had like a sense of like horrible panic and just yeah like, boom and right just like, like wilding from panic which was you said about like the bath salt you know what i mean like it's kind of like having like a paranoia attack or some shit well what about and, like the physical trauma though that like surpasses human strength well yeah. that's the thing right adrenaline adrenaline i think changes what we can consider like, normal like human they, strength like how they say like a, a mother trying to save her child could like lift a car or whatever right exactly or some shit like that where it's just like they're like your brain has like certain things that tell it when to stop because if you use this much force you'll hurt yourself like you've got reserves that you don't even know you got because all right i saw this report once about like you know how like we have our five senses uh sight touch uh hearings oh we actually have seven and i would love to get into that later but go oh. ahead well we actually have like 32 yeah but <laughs> we have seven oh, okay. official ones yeah, i don't know but how the, we went from like yeah, yeah seven to 32 <laughs> well you know your, your five basic senses right, right? your yeah. five basic senses uh uh there's some people that are born without a sense of touch and mm. that sense of touch prevents them from I feeling feel so sorry for those people yeah it prevents them from feeling heat cold uh yeah. pain it prevents them from feeling all of that so it's like these kids that have it so there was one kid who had a broken leg for like four years Jesus and Christ. he's just like walking on it because he doesn't feel any pain and he's just walking on it so you would think if you break your leg you would automatically be unable to walk but that's yeah. not the case like if it you would break bu- your like leg it would buckle under you right exactly but that's not the case if you break your leg your brain says 
your leg tells your brain, yo, this shit is broken. Let's not walk on it. Quit and walking your, on me. Yeah, and your brain <laughs> says, yo, we can't walk on this shit no more. You know, yeah. we need to chill. But it's not because you're physically unable to. Do you understand what I mean? So it's like when they talk about that superhuman strength, it's like if you're in this crazy panic mode and you're trying to get this sound out of your head that you don't know where it's coming from, some of these injuries make sense. Like taking your eye out, taking your tongue out, you know, fucking like beating your hands to death another person like open their jacket and they're like clawing at their own chest Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like who knows how that sound would be reverberating like through them it is worth saying that like uh a few of the bodies did just die from like straight up hypothermia so they Mm -hmm. weren't they didn't all die of their wounds uh i don't forget i don't remember the exact number but yeah, crazy. Well, I mean, they say the temperature dropped from negative 11 Celsius to negative 25 Celsius. And I don't know how cold that is, but I know that freezing at Celsius is zero. <laughs> so if you're negative 25, it's cold as dick. So negative 25 Celsius is negative 13 Fahrenheit, which is which is pretty insane. Like it's 16 meters per second is how fast the wind was going. And it was negative 25 degrees Celsius. So it was cold as fuck. Fast oh, you know what's another like thing? Storm winds. When yeah. you yeah. know when it's cold, your skin gets like brittle. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's like some of these injuries might be even easier to inflict. Well, I, I do feel like the Soviet investigators know about cold injuries because, mm-hmm. like, I mean, come on, it's Russia. So yeah. like a lot of their investigations <laughs> probably have to it's do with snow expertise. and cold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, maybe there's something to that. So it's either that or aliens. What are you going with? Let's, yeah, let's, what do you think, let's wrap Alex? this one up but which which theory satisfy you because right now we're thinking avalanche infrasound telekinetic so how do you explain telekinetic how do you explain the lights that the we camp, didn't even mention camper saw we didn't even month. mention the yeti i wanted or, to bring or that someone, up. someone then, thought it was someone but thought then he it was said there were only like video. nine footprints yeah a yeti's gotta have a footprint either some kind of uh it, like if i had to guess this was some kind of a weapons test that was happening in the area and mi- let's imagine some kind of vehicle that flies mm-hmm. would explain the the orb lighting, mm-hmm. you know, something experimental, some kind of aircraft, like, I don't know, like maybe, or maybe a, like a fucking suit, you know, like an Iron yeah. Man suit or some so, shit so like that. So you're really saying like, you're... I think this was man-made, right. but through technology somehow because of the radiation mm-hmm. and the clean incision of the eyes and tongue. But you really... Uh, you. Edgar did a better job of making me believe in the sound one than when I first read it. Mm-hmm. Because you're right. Like when people go completely ballistic, it's all bets are off. If, if you completely lose your shit and your brain goes into like Neolithic mode, like who knows what the fuck is possible. Yeah. Like, like I think that there's a fail safe in our minds that keeps us from mm. pushing our bodies to the full extent of its capability. And yeah. when that fail safe is removed, yeah. we can do things that you would just not think imaginable, like take somebody's eye out of their socket. Yeah. Because it's also like we're assuming here that they didn't attack each other, right? Like they like there's there no weren't some signs of that now. Cause then again, like they'd have like bruising and cuts. They were mostly yeah. internal, like, you know, even the person with like the cracked skull or a couple of them had cracked skulls. It, it wasn't like a cracked skull like you'd find if someone, like I said, like beat you with a bat. It was yeah. more like a like someone threw this person hard at something. Okay. Like, a, like, like, a, like an impact. Well, like they a could high throw impact. themselves, right? Like yeah. they could launch themselves down this mountain. Telekinetic, man. Yeah, Yo, telekinetic kind of. What if it was a telekinetic weapon? Yo, and then in terms of, honestly, though, we also don't know what power a Yeti has. That's to true. be fair. Also like true. we don't know how a Yeti moves. We don't know what their what their powers would be if they did exist. 
We just don't know what Yetis look like. I wish it was a Yeti. Listen, if there are any Yetis listening, go public, man. Like, let the <laughs> the world's ready for you. We want to hear your story. Nah, Come to yeah. the Rogue History Studio. We'll talk. You know, we they're definitely you. they're we'll definitely extinct by now. I think that they were probably around during the last ice age, and then as it started to warm up, they just started to die out before we ever found them. So if there ever were Yetis, they were like kind of our cousins, right? They'd have to be like in the genetic tree. They'd have to be. They'd have to be like somehow re- in the same way that like apes are kind of related. Presumably. To, presumably. Well, no, no, I don't, I don't think so. So maybe like, more like a bear or you something. know how like they were like giant sloths. They were like twelve feet tall. Oh, that's true. Okay. Like Yetis could have just been giant animals like that. That are that you see how like elephants look at us and think we're cute. But I thought <laughs> they the could have been around, like that. I but they the don't think we're Yetis, cute. Yetis though were that they're like kind of semi intelligent. Well, yeah, like an elephant. Yeah, oh, okay. Like uh, an elephant. Yeah, I see what you're saying. But, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. they don't think we're cute. Solve, even a crow can solve complex problems. Supposedly. That's true. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 We don't have the, we don't have a, a patent on intelligence. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm fucking with either infrasound or yeti or a yeti whose weapons is the infrasound because their weapon could have just been a sound <laughs> that they a make deep, a deep deep bellow. I'm yeah. Go- All right. Oh. So I'm going with Soviet experiment of mm-hmm. some kind. What are you going with, Ryan? telekinetic boom telekinesis Telekinesis. a person yeah so he was just professor x was just out there like like a gene gray just gone crazy dark phoenix dark Dark phoenix (laughs) dark phoenix i think all of these are viable so i mean we we solved it guys yeah so like pick your poison look up your own facts come on ussr we figured this shit out in like half an hour yeah oh jesus It's a conspiracy. If you know anything that we did not cover here, please email us because I'm still intrigued and I'm not going to be able to read through all of this by myself. Yeah. Uh, what, 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 Brian, what's our what's our email again? Uh, it is roguehistorypodcast at gmail.com. Pretty basic and straightforward. Mm, now, I want to yeah. move on to our next topic today because this one was also interesting to me. And uh, Brian, you've given us uh, uh, the high-level overview of this before Alex takes us to some good examples. And what's it called again? The Prisoner's Dilemma. All right, cool. So, all right. So two members of a criminal gang are arrested and imprisoned. Each prisoner is in solitary confinement with no means of communicating with the other. The prosecutors lack sufficient evidence to convict the pair on the principal charge, but they have enough to convict both on a lesser charge. Simultaneously, the prosecutors offer each prisoner a bargain. Each prisoner is given the opportunity either to betray the other by testifying that the other committed the crime or to cooperate with the other by remaining silent. If A and B each betray each other, each of them serves two years in prison. If A betrays B, but B remains silent, A will be set free and B will serve three years in prison and works the other way around too. And if A and B both remain silent, both of them will only serve one year in prison. The best case scenario for these two, um, the best case scenario for them is if they both serve one year and they're just let go, right? Versus one person stays for three years, the other person's let go. But then, you know, the guy who's free now loses his buddy, supposedly. So this would require both of them to have faith in one another. Yeah, right. And they're obviously not going to be in communication or, with each other. because Or like have faith in the cells. code. 
Yeah, snitches get have, stitches. Yeah, if you have faith in the code, <laughs> you would also get out of this. Snitches get stitches probably was born from this prisoner's dilemma <laughs> game theory problem. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> like, yo, if you don't say anything, they won't know nothing. Yeah, like, yeah, the criminal organizations were probably like, all right, how can we explain game theory to my thugs? <laughs> <laughs> I, I've I've played that scenario in my head over and over and over and over and over. Which one? Like, oh, you know, if I'm ever in a situation where I'm getting interrogated, the best solution is to just say nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like when they say anything you can, anything you say can and will and can be used against you or whatever the yeah. case is, that is a fact. Like yeah. you literally can't say anything without supervision. Like you need counsel. Even oh, yeah, if you totally. did nothing, especially if you did nothing, yeah. you need counsel. Especially. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they're going after you mm-hmm. and like they have one end goal in mind always and that's to get something from you like, yeah exactly whatever like, it is like, yeah so it's like you really they're not trying to prove you innocent right? yeah and then, well this isn't about snitching but no. the, the point is that in that very specific scenario you should always just keep your mouth Lawyer. shut seek counsel yeah that's like the uh, the chart that's not in the or the graphic that's not in the chart yeah. it's like <laughs> both prisoners option. request counsel that's option three yeah <laughs> so i have a question here because yeah um and the prisoner's dilemma is, is I guess, the, the famous example of how it was put in a way that uh, was most practical. But are there any more examples um, of this situation that we can look at? So in New York City traffic, this probably applies to most cities, actually. If you see traffic like a bottleneck in an intersection, not like normal traffic, but like as if there's cars stuck in the middle, they see that in front of them in the lane, there's no space to go. Like there's a car going all the way to the end of the intersection. So like, even if they go through, they're just going to end up in the middle, but because they're self-interest, they end up going anyways and they end up stuck in the middle. And then when the other traffic starts, they can't go because there's a car stuck in the middle. And then when that car finally clears, people keep doing that. So there wouldn't be intersection traffic if people didn't do that. Like if everyone stopped when there's not enough space for them to go, and they just like observed the yellow and red and then just like chilled, there would be less traffic in the city. But because everyone's self-interested, it causes more traffic because uh-huh. you end up with these bottlenecks in an intersection, right. which is like loosely sort of connected where it's yeah. like, it's more beneficial to just chill for a second. Yeah. And if everyone did that or if self-driving cars did that for them, uh, there would be less traffic because this is mostly so, stopped by people's being selfish. Yeah. This, it's actually really like the example given, I gave earlier is like very specific about like two people. Um, but the general concept can pretty much be applied to like anything where there's cooperation and there's a pro and con to cooperation and not so, cooperation. Oh, so, so is it like a self-interest and like trust? hundred percent. Like, like That's what kind of is. thing, because it feels like I, I've been in that situation where oh, yeah. I, I get to a yellow light and I see that pe- there's not enough room for me to go mm-hmm. into the next lane but if i stay behind like so for example this is and i guess i'm putting it into like my own perspective here it's like i'll be in my car boom right and i can't get past the 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 crossway but i see that the the cars that are going on the other side of traffic like uh running what's the word not perpendicular not parallel Oh, they're running perpendicular? Perpendicular, yeah. Like they're crossing me? Yes. Okay. So, all right. Perpendicular is the right term. All right. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> you got <laughs> it right got the first time. Out. All right. So, so if I'm sitting in my car in traffic and I'm going straight, the lane that is going perpendicular to me, that car can also 
yeah. ignore the yellow and mm-hmm. go into the crosswalk and then i would be stuck right trying yeah. to get across this cross uh, yeah. across the crosswalk or yeah, the, the yeah. grid right. so gridlock. what happens is uh, yeah i i would be the victim of the gridlock in that sense so yeah. it's like you have this decision to either trust your self-interest or trust in humanity and that question is very difficult to it answer is. because yeah it's like, yo, I can stay in my car, follow the rules, observe this yellow light, slow down. I know I can't make it across. Or I can go ahead and go there, have most of my car mm-hmm. pass the light so fuck and fuck else. it up for these guys <laughs> to the side of me. Because if not, they'll fuck it up for me. Supposedly. And and there's another one that's pretty similar, but uh, even more chaotic, which is like getting out of an elevator getting out of an elevator or getting out of a subway car. Mm. So when people don't let the people in the car off first and they start to try to rush in, it makes it harder for literally everyone to do both things. Right. So if you just wait for two fucking seconds and let the people get off the car before going in, it works very smoothly. Yeah. But when you have people like pushing in as people are coming out, then you have people that have to like take a step out to let other people get around the way. And it, it makes the whole thing delay even longer. Mm-hmm. And like for what gain? Like, but yeah, yeah, I can't I yeah. can't fucking stand it's the, the person that Same. says excuse me before the train fucking stops. Yeah. And it's crazy oh, because yeah, it sounds too. like they're saying something nice. Like they're saying excuse me. But it's like, yo, I'm getting off this stop also. Yeah. So like if you just, just wait, wait a second for the train to fucking stop, yeah. you don't have to say excuse me to four fucking people yeah. on your way to be first out of the train yeah. for some some fucking reason yeah. i don't know that just got me really no no angry. <laughs> that shit happens trying. all the time i, bro. I saw like, a vein popping yeah, like, i'm like standing there the train still hasn't even stopped at the platform yeah. and someone's like excuse me I, i'm getting off and it's like yeah i'm getting off too yeah. so just and even just if i wasn't getting chill. off you're going to like no one's going to keep you on this car like you're going to get off people yeah. are fucking nuts but let's see how let's see how we react to some more of these examples yeah, because I, I got a few more examples that are like yeah, probably a little I, I more related see how, we, how we react um so this it's like a loose example of Prisoner's Dilemma as well. But have you seen The Dark Knight? Yeah, right. So in The Dark Knight, uh, there's a scene where the Joker, so that he has, they, there are like two groups of people. One boat is filled with prisoners, convicts, and the other uh, boat is filled with like civilians. civilians, yeah, average citizen of Gotham. And so they're trying to escape. They're on the boat. Um, but... On that boat, though, the Joker had planted bombs, and each boat has a remote device to set off the other bomb, like on the other ship, right? So the regular citizens, civilians, can set off the bomb of the prisoners. Prisoners can set off the bomb on the uh, civilians. And so uh, there's like a time limit, right? Uh, the Joker is given the people like what was it an hour or something like that to figure out a good amount of time, a good yeah. amount of time, so they could like talk about it and whatever, so they could figure out. All right, so if by the time, or if by the time that you know the Joker's a lot of them, neither ship is blown up, um, they both blow up, and so now these people are given a choice: do we cooperate? It's not exactly uh, the prisoner's dilemma here because they didn't really know that if they didn't set off the bomb, they'd both survive. See, I, there was like I think an, it's uh, exactly like the prisoner's dilemma, though, because the prisoners in the dilemma and the original dilemma, mm-hmm. their lack of communication made it so that they don't know that saying nothing would get. That, so I'm sorry. They don't know well, they that were the police lied to have nothing. The they don't know that the police don't ha- only have them on a lesser crime. Mm. So that would be the equivalent of like 
the right. people on the two boats, not knowing that right, right, not yeah. detonating will make them That's not true. blow all, up. All right. they know is that uh, if they fuck over the other one, it's in their best interest. Right. And, yeah. uh, yeah, that's it. So it's like I can screw you over and help myself. Yes. That's basically yeah, 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 yeah. So do you think the fact that Batman has never killed the Joker makes Batman responsible for more of the people that have died because of the Joker in the many times Batman had the chance to stop him by just killing him? So if Batman had killed the Joker, less people would be dead. Is he pure for not having killed and keeping that strong honor code or is he culpable for allowing this to continue and letting more innocent people die? I think he's pure. No, I I think he's pure for allowing it to continue because essentially you need to let people save themselves. Right. So like even in that, in Mm. that same boat scenario where Batman, if Batman would have simply just killed the Joker right you miss out on the opportunity for the people to save themselves because both of those people had an epiphany of sorts that says wait so these people that ostracized us this is the prisoners speaking these people that ostracized us didn't kill us even though we're prisoners you know what i mean so and it then, might even help them rehabilitate exactly yeah. so and then from the other aspect of being a, a civilian the civilians are saying oh shit these guys are prisoners and they didn't kill us you know what I mean? So it's kind of like a moment of epiphany in that scenario. And then also, I just I, I just don't think that killing people to prevent more deaths is a, a logical solution because that it's kind of so it's like, it, all right. So I think Batman is pure. Let me bounce the question back to you. If you go back in time, do you kill Hitler and prevent the Holocaust? Ooh. I don't because I don't know for sure that if you kill Hitler, it would prevent the Holocaust. Like that's an assumption people make because we singularly pointed him and it with good reason because he was like the leader of that whole thing. But I cannot say for sure. Like you wouldn't in that scenario know for sure that that would mean that no one else would rise up and do. I mean, there were still already like populist anti-Semitic gangs and stuff like fascism was fascism was rising, you know, uh, other genocides. So. I wouldn't do it just because I don't know that it would necessarily solve the problem. And we defeated Hitler. So like, what if you do it and it happens in a way where the future is even worse somehow because it's not this one singular maniac guy. Mm -hmm. And by the way, Hitler made a ton of mistakes towards the end. Maybe if it was some other guy, he wouldn't have been on crystal meth and he wouldn't have like... Hitler was on crystal meth. He was on some kind of like sp- like I mean, speedball. Every, everyone was like on hybrid. All sorts of shit. He was getting injections yeah. to keep his like energy going and shit. And yeah. some people say that's part of why he 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 ultimately like he got like really paranoid towards the end and like made a, a few big mistakes. Drugs yeah. get you mad paranoid. Yeah, they do. But yeah. well, so I mean, so it's so is it any different for Batman and Joker though? Because it's like you kill the Joker, it's just like someone else would just rise well, in his place. I think yeah, I think he's actually said that in the movie before, like someone will always rise to the call of like yeah. answering to Batman. Like Bane. Right. He, like and then he was, also, yeah, like Bane. Yeah. And then also like if you kill the Joker, if you're Batman and kill the Joker, you're just serving his point. <laughs> yeah. You're people serving Gotham his point. might lose their trust in you and you know, like we're having a serious yeah. ass conversation about Batman right now because Yo, you Batman's said the people like, of Gotham and I was just like, yeah, the people of Gotham, of course. <laughs> which, is, which is really, which is New, York, New Yorkers. <laughs> like I think it was interesting how going from the Holocaust to the people of Gotham was like a seamless transition <laughs> in like reality. Like, oh wait, before you wait, do did that, did we get though, Brian's can, answer? Well, no, we did. No. Uh, Brian's just saying bad copy in our answers right now. He's looking at our test. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's like, yo, get your own test, bro. You know how hard I studied for this? Well, I just wanted to bring up like two more relatable examples. Yeah, go for and it. Actually, I like, like this. Why, this is fun. Why I wanted to do the Prisoner's Dilemma to begin with, actually. Oh, go for it. Um, two things. The first one is in sports, and the other one is in politics, especially like politics now, which I think is like pretty important to bring up. So in sports, an example of Prisoner's Dilemma is like doping in cycling, right? So... I don't elaborate, know if you guys elaborate. Yeah. I, yeah, I can't connect that one immediately. So. Yeah, so you know how um, I, there was like this documentary about uh, like the cyclist who the Icarus. It's I called the Icarus. So. Yeah, yeah, where yeah, yeah. like he he like starts off not doping, right, mm-hmm. and then he dopes, and then he suddenly he's like competing at the world stage, right? Right. So, um, so the example of prisoner's dilemma in dope in sports uh, with doping is that if one athlete uh or if no athletes dope like everyone's competing on level playing field level playing field right but if only one athlete uh dopes and the other does not then the guy who dopes obviously is gonna have like some crazy edge right but then if everyone's doping you literally stand to gain nothing right except for the negatives that come with doping like heart problems all that right so like what is there to gain for everyone it by doping you know what yeah, I mean? It goes back to trust again. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, yo, do you trust your fellow competitor to not dope? Yeah. I guess, and damn. You know I the answer is no, they don't. They don't trust yeah, each other. I mean, I mean, you know, honestly, one of the things that's funny about doping just in general, small tangent again, tangent gang, it's just that when people dope, because it has to be so well regulated, mm-hmm. it causes them to train more precisely. Like, yeah. I think that that there is, because the even when he was high. Yeah, the stakes are higher. Yeah. The mentality is different. You have to you have to do a certain amount of exercise to maintain the the effects of the doping and all that. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting that doping. I don't I don't think that the doping alone right. makes you a better athlete, right? Like I can't just like you can't just inject dope in me and then have me like go play one on one with LeBron. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? So right. the doping is a sensitive topic. Like it's a weird topic because it's it's hard to determine whether or not it's wrong. Damn, yeah, this shit does happen a lot in real life. It does. Because you're constantly... It's everywhere. It's It's like fucking crossing the street is a prisoner's dilemma. Yeah, Like literally deciding whether or not this person in this car is going to respect this stop sign is like a decision you need to make. Yeah, and here's another example that's like super relevant now uh, in politics, all right? So, you know, like these days we have like winner takes all kind of politics. So like you you can see it all the time now in like debates right like they're not they're not they're not trying to communicate they're not trying to communicate they're just trying to like lambast the guy to uh to his or her left and right you know just be like to make this person look as horrible as possible and um you know like originally i don't remember when it started probably like in the 70s and 80s um but like someone just started uh like making other candidates look bad instead of trying to make themselves look good. Now everyone's doing it. And it's kind of, you know, like now they have no choice yeah. to, but to do now, this. Now you have like a gubernatorial debate. Yeah. And this motherfucker, the incumbent is telling the other candidate in the same party, I'll stop lying when you do. Which yeah. is a crazy fucking quote exactly. to just yeah. even bring up yeah. during a fucking gubernatorial debate. It's like, yo, I'll stop lying when you do. This shit turned into fucking third grade uh, class politics. But that's how politics. it is. If, if you don't play along that way, you stand to lose more. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah. And uh, so that's... And, uh, and that's a leap of faith that people it is. don't want to make. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. so it has such a big Once you realize these, like, dynamics between people and how it exists everywhere, it's a little unsettling. So I'm going to pivot from that to another ethical dilemma. Edgar, Brian, have you guys ever heard of the trolley problem? I have heard of the trolley problem. I have not. Okay, so I'm going to set you up with a scenario. So, Edgar, you are... I'm going to close my eyes and imagine... It's yeah, actually, yeah. Like it's actually kind of related to your whole Batman thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. These are all... Well, Batman that's, and Joker I thing. don't think anything does a better job than comic books of explaining ethics, honestly. Mm. But, like, if you are... Uh, Edgar, you are you riding in a novels. trolley car. You, you're in a trolley car and the brakes are broken. Right, you're coming up. Say that three times fast. The brakes are broken. <laughs> the brakes are broken. The brakes are broken. The brakes are broken. All right, so I'm riding in a trolley car. The brakes are broken. Right, there's no one else in the car. The brakes are broken, and you see ahead of you there are five workers on the tracks. They're doing their job. They haven't noticed that there's a trolley car coming. So mm-hmm. if you keep going, you're going to run over all five of these people, presumably. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing you can do is change the tracks. Because okay. the brakes are broken. But if you change the tracks, it changes to another track where there's one worker working. So do you change the tracks and kill one person to save five? Or do you just kind of allow what has happened, which again, is not your fault. It's a broken trolley to occur. Which one would you do? So I'm the conductor on this trolley. You're, 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 so the, the, the best way to look at this example, I think, is not that you're conductor, but that you just like maybe just wake up on a trolley and this is happening. Like you're in this, you're yeah, thrown boom. into the scenario. This isn't your job. You have no training, but you know that the brakes are broken and you know that if you turn this track, it will, it will change tracks. You do know those two things for sure. Uh, but those are your only, that's all the information you got. So jumping out of the trolley is out of the question. Like you deciding to not be a hero is, is not part of the, the equation. Well, what I would ask, why would you jump off the trolley? I would take the decision out of my hands. Oh, okay. <laughs> like I would just be like, yo, you know what? This trolley's fucking brakes are broken. I'm out this bitch. Let Jesus take yeah, the wheel. Like, like we got to figure <laughs> out what's going to happen. And I feel like if I jump out of the trolley and start screaming at the workers, they might know, yo, there's a trolley coming. How about that bitch? Like, yo, get the fuck out the way. So they're in. The, but yeah, yeah. You, you bring up good alternatives. Of people. So someone once came back at this question of like, well, what if you try to flip the trolley? Because even if you die, you're saving other people. Or if you try to flip the trolley, like you might not die. You might be OK. Yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not good with that dying for other. But people for the shit. sake of the conversation, like, let's that's say you can't me. No, so, that's, that's fair. I think yeah. it's, it's a lot of people pretend they are more that way than they actually are. I think uh, in not, that situation, you're you're. Your self-preservation, self-preservation is very powerful. So let's say you don't. Let's say you can't jump out of it, though. You have to make a choice or do nothing. Yeah, you do make a choice or do nothing. I I think that in that, like, if the scenario is, I'm forced to decide between that those two. I'm gonna definitely take the one person. Okay. Like just because the thing is that when you make a decision like that, you're I feel like the question is just about numbers at that point. Like is the question about anything more than numbers? Like if you change the question and said like, hey, like some there's one person, you know, on the left track and five people you don't know on the right track. You know what I mean? Then that makes the decision a little harder for me. So so that perspective which by the way for the record in that specific situation i would do the exact same thing yeah. i would actively kill one person instead of letting five people die uh, i could get into the explanations for that but there's uh th- that way of thinking is called utilitarianism which is okay. that the the overall good is the most important thing so whatever you do to preserve the overall the best possible outcome 
is the right thing to do. So, uh, so there's like a specific version of it called like act utilitarianism, Mm -hmm. which means that like when you're placed in a situation like this, do the thing that has the best overall good and you can't go wrong. You're being ethical as long as you do that. One of the other best ways of looking at it with Mm -hmm. it, which is Kantian. Kantian, I never know how to say his name correctly. Uh, a go by categorical imperative, which says, for example, it's always bad to kill people. That's an example of a categorical categorical imperative, which is something mm-hmm. you could use in all situations. It's always bad to murder someone. And B, the second part of Kantian ethics, which is people shouldn't be used as mere means in themselves. So you'd be using this person by actively killing them to preserve five other people. And that's the two basic ways to look at it. This is this is helping me discover my ethics because I, I, I'm definitely not with Kant. Correct this me one, if I'm wrong. Kantian thought, though, is like very much you just have like certain it's batman is it batman's caught yeah really yeah okay yeah. well he, he so like the, you just live by a creed if you will right so it's adaptable to different cultures so for example right. like if you were japanese uh in feudal japan it would be very normal and even considered a good thing in your culture to commit suicide to mm-hmm. to there are situations where you would consider suicide a good thing mm-hmm. right right but other cultures like christian ones where it's like the worst thing you could possibly do right, right? so like kantian ethics is one. is is adaptable to different cultures because you start with the categorical imperative. So if your if your ethic is that if your categorical imperative is it's always bad to kill people, that's your step one. Mm-hmm. If you're from you know like the Dothraki culture, mm-hmm. for example, in Game of Thrones, that's not necessarily where you'd start off. Right. So you'd have a different categorical imperative right. apply yeah. to the situation. Here's a here's a hot take, and this is based on no facts at all, but the Christian church only hates suicide because they're big on slavery <laughs> and they don't want their slaves killing themselves. So like let like, you just get that out because there's many fucking places where suicide makes total fucking sense. Yeah. And the the Christian overlords were like, yo, suicide is no good. Yeah. But it's because they didn't want their slaves killing themselves. So so Edgar, you're leaning towards utilitarian ethics. I, I think so. And, and the reason why I do that is because the Kant one is kind of like it's kind of like, all right, oh, I'm in this car, it's going full speed. I didn't create this situation. So if five people die, it's on whoever created the situation. So it's a little bit of like passing the buck. It's saying well, that bad things happen on, in the though. world no matter what you do. Right. That's the premise is that no matter right, what so, you do, bad things are going to happen. And all you could do is make them theoretically so worse. I could totally see how like choosing to kill the one would be a homicide, essentially. Because if because you, do, you actively if, made that yeah, choice. You actively decided least. to kill this one person. Yeah. You know, whereas the five people would have died if you did nothing. Now, right? let me give you a, a, a an alternative version that will really... I'm going to start to test your utilitarianism. I'm going to close my eyes again. Okay. So, Edgar is on an expedition in South America. He comes across some South American soldiers pointing guns at 20 natives who are about to be executed for protesting the oppressive regime. The general of these soldiers is a fucking psychopath. And he looks at Edgar and knows that he's American. He's gonna he's not gonna like harm him or anything, but he goes like, Hey, you random American, I'm gonna give you a choice. You can leave and allow us to do our thing and keep your mouth shut about what you saw here, or we'll give you a gun and you can shoot one of these natives and we will let the other nineteen free. What do you do? Do you pick one of them to murder wow. to let the other nineteen go? Or do you go like shit, I'm not even going to play this game because you're the fucking Joker right now and I don't want to deal with your chaotic evil. So, what would you do, Edgar? And Brian. 
uh, all right, and and in this example, this is this is designed to be a critique where, of utilitarianism. We're we're stripped of you have only two options. We're stripped, yeah, like you're stripped of deceptiveness. You Everyone's know, being honest. Okay, yeah, uh, I'm definitely killing the one person and letting the nineteen go. Same. And I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna evaluate it based on who looks like they could go. I'm gonna ask. I, I'll probably ask. I'll be like, "Yo, is any of you cool with dying right now to save the other 19 people? Because mm. I would take this gun and kill one of y'all, well, they and y'all can save the 19 people you're with." They speak Quechua, so they can't. You can't understand that. No, but I'm sure that with a gun, you could kind of like figure it out. Like you could like, point at the gun. You pick. Yeah, like you could point at the gun and say, "Yo, who?" You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. I feel like you could kind of get that point across. But I'm definitely going with the. All right, if if you could give me the gun and I kill the one person and the other 19 go, I can live with that mm. yeah uh, I'd, I'd pick one person too i'd pick one person too and the responsibility is on this horrible general psychopath it's not on you so you're actually like choosing to partake again having said that i would do it because i very much believe in kantian ethics in in normal day-to-day situations but when it comes to human life i pivot towards utilitarianism yeah yeah i I really just feel like in my hands yeah yeah i kind of feel like yo it's it is our responsibility we are responsible over human life yeah like i think we're responsible over everything on this planet i told you we're not from here so it's like and now we kind of own it and like we're responsible for it is this like your alien theory uh yeah like my alien theory is that we are not, the aliens we are the aliens we're not from this planet that's yeah. why we own it unlike any like literally we are an unstoppable force on this planet like regardless of what you may think and what they may tell you climate change all this other stuff there we have an answer for every motherfucking thing and i think it's because we're not from here i feel like the planet that you're from would have some control over you it, 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 I don't know. I'm I mean, it kind of does, though. I think over us. Oh yeah. How so? Well, like the climate change part or diseases. I don't think so. Solar flare area. Yeah. Well, here's, here's the shit. When you talk about all these things, right? When you talk about all these things, like solar flares, all the first of all, the fact that we know of them already makes it so that we have Fair some enough. control over them. Like the people that don't have control over like climate change or like a solar flare mm-hmm. are like ants. You know what I mean? Like ants, like ants have no idea over that. So it's like their planet controls them. Like their planet decides whether or not they die. You know what I mean? So and even with the climate change, if we're talking about climate change is going to happen in like millions of years, by the time millions of years pass and climate change becomes a thing that we need to be, uh, that we need to plan our lives around, I feel confident that there will be solutions around climate change. I don't think it's millions of years, but yeah. I, I, I get your point. Hundred thousands of years? No, I think tens. it's hundreds of years. Tens maybe, thousands maybe of years? Maybe tens. Hundreds until it's like in a... Like a, a, a even the worst possible estimate worst possible, yeah. is like in 30 years. That's the absolute worst possible estimate. Worst so possible estimate is 30 years. According 30 to... Years, if we like keep whatever it is we're doing now. Right. And, and which we won't. I feel like that, you know, hopefully Elon not. is going to keep boring holes <laughs> and eventually we'll go down deeper into the Earth's crust. And, and like, we'll be we'll like, just, we'll be mole people. Yeah. I could <laughs> totally see us as these really self-sustaining mole people with people that actually <laughs> live in space. Like rich, rich people will live in space in orbit with all the crap that's out there. And by the end... You know the crap that we have floating in orbit right now kind of acts as a protectant. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it's true. it's it. Oh <laughs> damn! Who the f- it must have been on the Joe Rogan podcast because it's some wild Joe Rogan shit. But it was like we have so much trash 
floating in outer space around us yeah. that even if other aliens were looking for us, they wouldn't be able to find us because there's just so much trash. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm not sure about that. Yo, there's so many... Um, yeah, but you could see Earth still. Yeah. Like from space, you no, could no, see like you the continent. You could stuff. see it, but if, if you're not, you're not, they're not looking at us with sight. Right, like yeah, they're I, looking from, they're looking using like, right, like if you think about like a, a I mean the way we civilization, the way we look at like distant planets is like through sort of reflections and like right. shadows they cast over stars. Right, exactly. Oh, so ours would be severely distorted, distorted. Right, exactly. Like our planet is not doing it on its own because we have this all this shit orbiting around Basically, you just it. got like a bunch of mirrors and like tin foil around our right planet. that's like bouncing back light in different directions you know what i mean but mm-hmm. a- anyway yeah we're not from here and i think that in general we are responsible for human life like i think that if if you are in a situation where someone tells you yo listen i'm about to kill these 20 people but if you kill just one i'll save the other 19 i feel like you kind of have a responsibility to say yo you know what fuck i'm gonna have to take this body like because i can't let you kill all 20 of these people and if that was the end of it you know what i mean it wasn't like a gang initiation or something because in these questions we're removing all the nuances that make us human correct you're making it like as simple as possible for the sake of the dilemma right if if you create like infinite variables then it's not a dilemma it's just i mean that's like a well, simulation a situation yeah. <laughs> and, and that's, that's what makes it weird with these dilemmas clean. because yeah. in real life there's infinite bar- variables but, but that's the know? thing if yeah. you if you can't make the decision in a simple situation you're not going to have any kind of consistency in more complex situations so that brings me mm. to my next point which is this is all now very relevant because uh. we are starting to create ai that will have to make some of these decisions and we have to oh, teach yeah, yeah. ai our ethics so self-driving cars for example, might be in a situation where they have to decide whether they're going to allow the driver to die to save six people that are on the road where it would maybe make like a crazy, crazy Mm. evacuatory turn and like crash into a pole or something to save six people on the ground. So you have to, I mean, they don't, AI does not have ethics. You have to teach it human ethics. So you have to actually program in a definitive answer to this dilemma and my my understanding is that they are taught utilitarian ethics. Like mm-hmm. AI is taught like to save the most people possible. So would you want to buy a car that would possibly kill you to save six people? And that's where the show ends. Go ahead and take <laughs> that home with you. Decide on whether or not cars. And I hope that you know you think about it, give it some thought, and then let us know whether you feel like your car should be programmed to save you above all else, or it should be programmed to save the most lives as possible. <laughs>